And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign here in cool and rainy central Ohio, joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed. Good morning. Game three of the Blue Jackets Lightning is tonight. The Blue Jackets hold a 2-0 lead after a rousing 5-1 win in Game 2 in, in Tampa. Now the, the series swings to Columbus for Games 3 and 4. Big one tonight. Uh, Nationwide Arena will be sold out, packed to the gills, and looking for uh, some some much-needed happy happy memories and, and uh, joyous scenes in Nationwide Arena. Tom uh, had a piece today in, on the Athletic website about what the playoffs have been like in the Nationwide Arena for the Blue Jackets. Uh, we'll get to that uh, certainly later in this this podcast because it's it's a uh, it's a rich topic. Um, lots going on in this series. Hey, it's uh, a special game, edition. Game. This is a special yeah, this edition. Is, you should have like this is an I don't say an emergency, but a special playoff edition. It's not Tuesday or Friday. Yeah, well, yeah. I was going to say um, you the people have asked for it and. <laughs> And here it is. Why wait till Tuesday when you've got a lot going on? So we, we're going to create these out. Uh, probably one after each game or before each game, I think, may, makes a lot of sense as the series moves along and the playoffs move in, move along um, this spring. Um, lots going on here. Nikita Kucherov will not play tonight for Tampa Bay. He has been suspended for one game following his hit on Nudavara. Uh, Victor Hedman, I suspect, will play today, but did not practice yesterday. 
and appears to still be fighting through some things. Uh, the Blue Jackets, from their side, have have pulled through the first two games uh, quite healthy uh, in many, many ways. And they made a, a move of great interest yesterday, too, signing Vladislav Gavrikov, their defenseman who is in Russia, and who could very well play uh, in this series. We'll see what his timeline is in terms of getting to uh, the U.S. getting his work visa and being up to speed, but I don't think it's out of the question at all that we could see him before uh, this Blue Jackets Lightning series ends. Let's get first to the big news, and that is Kucherov's absence today. Uh, we're talking about a 128-point scorer, uh, the leading scorer in the NHL, the Art Ross Trophy winner, perhaps the Hart Trophy winner. Um, I, I was surprised by the follow-up. He tripped Marcus Nudevara, and then as Nudevara's playing the puck by the wall, uh, just hammered him. Both arms full, might head into the into the dashers, sort of the side of Nudevara's head into the dashers. We should say this first, Nudevara seems to be okay. We'll get more information on that front uh, this morning at Nationwide. Uh, he finished the game. He looked fine in the post-game dressing room. I spoke to him briefly. Uh, so all signs look okay there. Let's go around the horn here. Uh, we'll start with you first, Allison. How big of an impact or, and what potential sort of offshoots does this uh, have for the Lightning if their leading scorer, Nikita Kucherov, uh, is not in the lineup today, as we know he won't be? Well, someone's pup has an opinion as well here. We'll have to make sure they're in, <laughs> they're in the round. But, uh, no, I, well, it's interesting, right, because he has not been a factor offensively in this series yet. So, um, but of course he still remains a threat. Now, what I am curious about is, is there to your point, um, an emotional burst of rallying around this absence in addition to the 15 other things that Tampa Bay can rally around, um, coming into this game to give them an extra push. So in theory, you say it's, it's not good for Tampa, but there could be an emotional side that, that helps them. Yeah, agreed. Tom, your your read on this. They're going to have to change things up. Their lines are going to look different, but this is a team with still an enormous amount of talent. Yeah, I think Allison covered most of it very well there. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe this is, uh, for Tampa, from Tampa's standpoint, a, a some kind of a rallying cry that they can, you know, like, all right, no, now nobody thinks we're going to win. Uh, and and this is this is a, let's let's be honest, as our colleague uh, Joe Smith wrote yesterday, this is a defining moment for this group. I mean, they have been building to this for several years. Uh, this is a this is not an inexperienced team that won all these regular season games and hasn't won playoff rounds before. This group has been here. They're expected to get here. This is a massive game, uh, and I you hate to throw this word around very. I don't like the word a lot. But this is, a, this is like a legacy moment for these guys. If they go out and go down 0-3, this is the group that was supposed to finally win it for Tampa Bay for the first time since 2004. Okay. And there's a lot of pressure on them today. Yeah. And it, it's clear that the Blue Jackets are doing something to really frustrate and confuse them. I go back to the end of uh, last year's playoffs where they had a 3-2 to lead on the Capitals and couldn't hold it. They lost that series four games to three. But they didn't score in the final two games. They were shut out. Um, and, and certainly John Torrell is not going to open his playbook. But you wonder what was derived from those two games. Because I don't think you can look at anything in this regular season 
and say that's how you handle the lightning. I think it has to be a total different tone. I think it has to be a totally different approach. I think the Blue Jackets, as much as they have preached safe is death, uh, just from talking to coaches around the league, they're playing a 1-2-2, one forward in. They're keeping guys high. They're staying on the right side of the puck, and they're not exposing themselves to transition much at all to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is finding a really hard, finding it really hard to find open ice. Even passing lanes that they're used to having there, there's always a blue jacket or a blue jacket stick there. Um, what, what do you guys see? Because I, I think one of the challenges for a any hockey team, and I think the Blue Jackets have seen this. There's this evolution of a team that doesn't have much talent that has to just work its ass off, and then you start to add talent and you try to keep the work your ass off mentality. But the more you add talent, the more that other part becomes it, – it gets easier to let that slide. I think the Blue Jackets have suffered that the last couple of years. But there's something in the way that they're playing right now where John Tortorella has convinced these players that you can you can check your ass off and it's still – it's not minimizing your game. It's not saying you don't have skill and you can't – you aren't as talented as fast – as as dynamic a player as these guys are, but this is what has to happen to win. And I think they have fully embraced that. They are frustrating Tampa to the point where they're they're not playing Tampa Bay's game because they can't. And now other stuff is starting to to be affected by that. Are you guys seeing the, the same thing, Tom? You want that one first? Forty's ruining yeah, my I, story over here. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm illum- we're illuminating it. We're selling it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think 17 to three on aggregate and regular season helps sell it, doesn't it? Sure. Uh, basically, what they were doing wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, the, the trap to me was the story of the game the other night. They can completely frustrated, uh, f- frustrated the Lightning with the trap. Uh, they just could get generate no speed through it. Uh, that and the forecheck, the physicality of how they played. And I thought one of the, uh, the most interesting things is as physical as the Blue Jackets were and as hard as they were working to get uh, bodies on people and, and, and push people out of lanes, it took two. They were only shorthanded twice. The tremendous discipline from the Blue Jackets in that game. I, I thought the other thing that was impressive was uh, they showed this so many times on television and replays defensemen clearing out lanes as guys are ready, getting ready to shoot. Sergei Borowski did not have to see, did not have to face a lot of screen shots. He got a lot of clean looks uh, at pucks, and it made his job so much easier. I don't know where you guys all just pass this on to Allison. To me, that I guess it's an easy, that, that was the most impressive playoff game I've ever seen the Blue Jackets play. I don't care about comebacks much more than the game one. Just a dominating effort in an almost flawless game. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing, too, that's interesting, and we're going to dig into this, that's why I'm teasing Porty here, uh, is that uh, they in the third period, they actually switched to a 1-1-3 four-check. Um, Super so, on top of the puck. Very much. And, and, and I think you alluded to this, Aaron, but I think this is, this is the key, and I think this might be what is woven into how – uh, John Tortorella is successfully selling this. I'm going to hopefully talk to some guys about this today. But everyone knows Tampa's fast. Everyone knows Tampa is one of the fastest. So 
to your point, they already the Jackets already had an acceptance that they couldn't play that game, right? Which makes you a little more open to say, okay, fine, then what's the adjustment that we have to play? Um, right. And then accepting this idea of the forecheck mentality of what they're doing and what it does. I think that it, if you look at a, at a one, two, two or a one, one, three, you can't half-ass that, right? I mean, you're, if you're the one or the one and then the second one, you have to be engaged. You have to be active on your reads. So you have to be full on. I think it ties into the same mentality they use on their penalty kill. Um, mm -hmm. And even when they push into the defensive zone, whatever forecheck, either the one, two, two or the one, one, three that they use, it allows them to really set up nicely into their defensive schema. So I think that that's how he's selling. This is look, I don't have to convince you that you can't play their game. Everyone in the league knows it. Um, but the, with the waves that they're creating of defense on that forecheck and in the neutral zone, as Tom said too, I think it's just almost impossible for Tampa Bay to play their transition game. And, and I, I certainly don't want to say this is the only other reason, but uh, I, I certainly hope that Victor Hedman is, is appropriately healthy enough to keep playing. Um, we only know upper body and I, I hope he's not playing through something he should not. Um, but right. he is definitely struggling and he is one of their most active transition players. Um, so with him encumbered, uh, plus the aggressive forecheck, those are two key things the Jackets are really able to capitalize on. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's go ahead, Tom. Oh, just uh, as our, as our colleague Pierre oh, Lebrun mentioned in his column yesterday, I thought it was an interesting point. I think, I can't remember if he was talking to an executive or a scout that said at this time of year, you almost have to be two teams, right? You almost have to be able to play your regular regular season style of game and, and adapt in the playoffs. And sometimes you have to get a little, uh, you have to grind the game a little bit. You have to be able to sometimes dump the puck and go retrieve it and to get your offense going. Tampa Bay doesn't want to do that. No. They, they just do not want to do it. And that's where I think a lot of the frustration came that they're like, what's going on here? Why, why are these guys, why are these guys doing this to us? Don't they know it's our time? And they have not in two games, not well in five periods have not really adapted mostly. Yes. I think mostly in the second game, but they really struggled to adapt to the way they play. I'll be very interested to see what adjustments they tried to make uh, in game three in regards to that. If it's just getting more gritty, a lot of times you beat the trap with a good first pass, a quick first pass to at least get you into the neutral zone and getting guys backed off. We'll see if they're able to do that or at least be able to be better on retrievals. Yeah, and one yep. other one other thing they can do there, and, and it's something that teams are hesitant to do, is the hitch play, right? To, to go with the drop to, to delay the forecheck's ability to come up and apply pressure. But teams don't like to do that in five-on-five -five play. So... We'll see. I, I'm curious, too, to see if they change up their routes. These are all things that Tampa Bay hasn't had to consider since this time last year. Right. Right. And I think that's part of the I think that's part of the uh, the challenge right now is it's adversity for the first time for them. It's a oh, my gosh, we have to make a significant adjustment to our game. They haven't made a sig significant adjustment to the game in 12 months because they haven't had to. They've just rolled through through people. So the talent is absolutely there for this team to still make, still win this series. I mean, they could win it in six. I hate to say that, but they have that kind of talent. If they can figure out how to, how to get rolling here, 
but we'll see if they can make the changes. I mean, you just look at the way that the series has gone. Stamkos, zero points, minus three. Hedman, zero points, minus two. Tyler Johnson, zero points, minus two. Kucherov hasn't scored, minus two. Andre Palat hasn't scored, minus three. Braden Point, who has just killed the Blue Jackets, hasn't scored, minus two. Um, Andre Vasilevsky, their great goaltender, has a save percentage of 853 or something, uh, 830. Uh, we're talking two games, but he has not been sharp either. Um, I remember sitting in the half hour before game two saying, boy, there's going to be one hell of a push by Tampa at the start of this. And it never really materialized, almost like they were still shook by game one. Um, what are you guys expecting to see early from them in game three? Sometimes it can be beneficial uh, to be on the road, to have your backs up against it a, a bit. They were booed off the ice in Tampa Bay. I certainly didn't ever expect to see that uh, in game two by the few fans that remained at the end of that game. Um, you would expect to see a team that's got fire in their in their shorts today, Allison? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, as you said, we expected that in <clears throat> game two. Um, as well, but I, you know, as Tom wrote in his article this morning, is, this is, is the Tampa's a team that can come back and win this win four straight, and the Jackets are a team that we know can go up to nothing and and lose four straight, unfortunately. Sure. So, um, you know, that's the flip of this. The Jackets have a ton of pressure coming home. Um, they they know they need to win a playoff series. They know they need to win at home. They've yeah. now been dispersed, and, and as they should be with their families, but they are, they are not, to your point, cocooned anymore as a group, hunkered down, bunkered in, if you will. So um, I, I do expect a hot Tampa team. I, I do hope that they figure out some adjustments to, just to see what the strategy side of this is. But uh that's what we said game two, but I'll, I'll say it again. I think that's we, – we see them come out fast and hot. Yeah, there's been – this has been said, and of course it's going to be part of the, the story of this series uh, between games two and game three. Well, you were up 2-0 coming home last year, uh, and, and what have you learned from that experience? Well, it's a perfectly fair question, but it, it assumes, or at least a lot of people would hear that, uh, to say that the Blue Jackets let their guard down in game three. <laughs> said, oh, we got this thing. They didn't at all. Right. No. Was was maybe the best game of this of the series, uh, and they lost in overtime. I I think all of this feels different though, big time different from last year, um, where Columbus and they they deserved the first two wins. Not saying that at all, but but they got the goal in overtime, um, which is part of the the freaky fluky bounces of the playoffs, where you say, wow, that they both of these teams had thirty chances to win this game tonight and Columbus was the first team that cashed in this, this playoffs and to your point earlier, Tom game two did not feel at all like any, any other playoff game this team has ever played for one. They won by more than a goal Uh, for two. They gave up less than three goals for the first time ever. Uh, It was an authoritative win. I, I just have a totally different vibe right now, allowing that things can change quickly. Of course, that's what a series is all about, but this feels dramatically different to you too, Tom, or no? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I don't think, yeah, I, I think we talked about last year, you know, when we've talked a lot about, I think we've actually gone almost 10 or 15 minutes into this thing without even mentioning Sergei Bobrovsky. I may, I may have mentioned him once. Imagine that. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, if you remember, Bobrovsky had to, he probably stole game two for them last year. It's probably his, one of his best games, even though he still gave up three goals. Uh, and they I, they were fortunate to get out of there with that second win in Washington. This is just the opposite. This team, in six periods of hockey in, in, in Tampa Bay, the Blue Jackets were the clearly better team in five of them. Yeah. Since the first period. And I the other thing I think is you wonder if they get off to a good start tonight. Uh, the guy to me who's taken who has kind of avoided the heat in all this so far in Tampa Bay is Andre Vasilevsky. I don't think he's been very good. I think yeah. he's been very ordinary. And uh they they're gonna need him to step up tonight and have a big game. Well, I know we're talking about all their big offensive stars that have not done anything, but to me Vasilevsky has been very ordinary in this series, and that's a that's a real encouraging sign for the Blue Jackets because they don't have Braden Holpe uh, to come and rescue them like Washington did last year. Right, and have you guys noticed all the goals high blocker when they have a chance to shoot when they have time to shoot? That's where everything's going. Yeah, Allison. Yeah, I was just uh, pulling up, of course, <laughs> information, and uh, I think uh, Joe had this in his article yesterday as well, but. You know, again, we talk about meeting expectations and hopefully exceeding expectations, particularly in the postseason. And right now, uh, Vasilevsky is the second worst postseason goaltender in terms of meeting expectations. He's he's given up two goals against average, above average um, per game. So, and that's not with a ton of shots against either, to be honest. Um, it, this is this is is he experiencing some of the same mental challenges we've presumed Bobrovsky did of having the weight on his shoulders? Remember, this is a guy who last year talked about being tired and this year had a better workload and wants to be in the Vesna conversation, et cetera, so forth. All of the pressure we talked about for the skaters, it applies to him too. So, um, is it in his head too much? But he's certainly below where he should be and definitely not above where he should be. Yeah. I mean, if you were if you were out of the country or somehow incapacitated for a week and you started listening to this podcast right now, you would be going, what in the hell are they talking about? <laughs> the Blue Jackets dominated the game, too. They're up to nothing. Vasilevsky might be having issues with all of this. The Blue Jackets are dominating them offensively. What are you talking about? Right. Um, and I think I think Blue Jackets fans are still trying to kind of getting their arms around that too um i expect a wild one today and or tonight in nationwide arena um the blue jacks may be getting some defensive help uh, vladislav gavrikov has signed his entry-level deal two-year deal um and now now on monday they began working on his visa god the blue jackets do a lot of this anymore don't they like this season the roster build never quite stops Yarmo <laughs> kekalainen uh, they brought Alexander Texier over, Elvis Merzlikens over. Now, Elvis hasn't played yet, uh, probably won't. Uh, here comes uh, Gavrikov. He is going to play for them at some point if he gets here soon enough. I think that is the plan. With Ryan Murray hurt uh, and out long-term, with um, Adam McQuaid out with a concussion, we haven't seen him uh, so much as skate since that uh, game against Montreal late March. Uh, they are right now are using Harrington and Kukan as a third pair, and full marks to them. They've played they've played quite well. Uh, their seventh is Adam Clendenning. Their eighth, 
uh, I think technically is is Andrew Peak, who's here with the team after having signed out of Notre Dame. So um, this Gavrikov thing is really interesting to me. My God, Texier has made an impact. Um, how wild is it to add these guys that almost feel like almost feel like free agent ads uh, at the end of the season? Um, Tom, defensive depth going to be really important, especially if the Blue Jackets are able to get through the first round. Yeah, you can never have. That's the steel. It's the old rule. You can never have enough defensemen at playoff time. Uh, guys get hurt. Guys get banged up. Uh, and <laughs> and we know which we know John Tortorella's track record here. He won't if if they think that this guy can play, they won't be afraid to stick him in the lineup. You're in. I think that yep that benefits the team. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's. It's it's it is it is kind of wild when you think about the way things are going and, and you're absolutely right about Tessier, Texier and it was interesting in between periods the other night and the national broadcast they were talking about this kid now he just does not look like he's he does he looks he looks like he fits right in like he's been here all season yeah. and he is you know he's not necessarily showing up on the score sheet in the first two games. But he has played very well. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there. He he got hammered in the last game uh, oh. going in on it. He got on a reverse check, I think. But he has been – he gets right back up and gets right back into the play. And I think Tortorella loves loves what he's doing. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, all the Blue Jackets. You know, Tampa Bay, we, we, we sat here and talked about how they don't necessarily like to be hit. But they will dish it out, too. For and sure. One thing one thing we have not got to is full marks. I thought I thought since we're talking about defensemen, and I'll try to make this segue as smooth as possible. <laughs> I I thought Zach Wierenski may have played his best game as a Blue Jacket the other night. Yeah. I, I just thought his all around play was terrific. He scores the goal. He was just all over the ice, and then gets involved in a fight with was it was it Gorder Point one of them point. who was it Point okay point. yeah and I, and I just. Tortorella's reaction afterwards, priceless. I mean, that, you, you knew that's what Tortorella was going to say, something along those lines. But right. I think last night's game, again, is an example of how far the, – the game the other night is an example of how far Rensky's game has come in the last three months is just being very comfortable playing a complete game. Yeah. Allison, um, I, I see in Texier, getting back to our man Texier, <laughs> um, in the, the play along the wall. That's the stuff that has really, really surprised me. He's bigger than I anticipated, as Tom has mentioned previously. I love the way that he's he as as uh, Torch will say, sticks his nose in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I I do think that maybe game one was stronger for him than game two, um, which uh, that's fine. I mean, this is a kid playing his fourth NHL game, <laughs> his second in the playoffs. Um, but but I like, you know, we, we talked about this in the last cast as well, is I think that um, to Ooh, come cast. in, you know, he, he comes in with no fear. And what I really enjoyed was um, Yarmo Kekalainen on, on the conference call he had with all of us uh, yesterday, just kind of gave a little bit of an inside view that everything they talked to him about, he's like, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. <laughs> and, and I think that really personifies what we're seeing from him on the ice. He's like, you want me to do what? Great. I'll do it. And guess what? I'm pretty talented, so I can do it. Um, and that, to your point, goes to 
chasing after pucks, working hard against the wall, pushing into the zone, getting knocked down. I thought he was targeted maybe a little bit much uh, last game. Um, getting knocked down, just getting right back up. Um, so yes, I think I think it's definitely a positive track for the for he's what nineteen. That's insane. Yeah, and if you're the Blue Jackets and Tampa is targeting Alexander Texier, I think you feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah, and th- and that's you know that's the one thing, and and we all know my my soapbox about hits to the head. I did not like that hit on Nudavara at all. Just sheer safety of a player. Um, yeah. And you know, I you Tampa's getting frustrated. They're they're picking on the French kid, <laughs> the new kid. They're 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 taking some reckless hits. They're they're initiating a little bit more of scrums and scraps than I think we would ever expect to see from a Tampa Bay team. Um, it, it's, I mean, everyone's saying it. Yeah, I mean, it's bubbling to the surface, and they're letting it, um, which is the bigger struggle for them. Yeah, and you saw the, the scene where Hedman, towards the end of Game 2, skates over to the Blue Jackets bench and says, you guys are good at this. This is two years in a row you've been up 0-2, basically taunting them you're going to blow another one. Uh, and Riley Nash just... That's the best part. It's Riley Nash. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was in Boston. I don't know what you're talking about. I was in Boston last year. And then Josh Anderson appears on the... No, Dubois appears on the scene. And then Hedman takes off. And yeah, so, I mean, a long way to go here yet. But I think you, I, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, a Blue Jackets player, staff, what have you, you have to be absolutely delighted with the way that things have gone. And, I, and again, there's, it's not been fluky or bouncy... It has been straight up ass whooping so far. Um, see if they can continue it tonight, game three. Uh, anything else to add from from you guys? Uh, it's just I, I I know folks are focused on this game, but uh, AHL season ends today, mm-hmm. I believe. And uh, Cleveland, if I if I've got this right, Cleveland plays basically the team in front of them in the standings for I believe the final spot. So just something to keep an eye on because. Um, if they're in, that's going to be exciting. And if they're not, does anyone come up? And, and to your point, Aaron, are there more guys coming in? <laughs> right, and they have not sent uh, Adam Clendening down, I don't believe. That's correct. Well, as far as we know, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the poor guys, I shouldn't say poor guys, it's a pretty good gig. Um, but yeah, he's been up and down. Yeah. So good luck to the monsters there. Tom, anything to add? No, I think, uh, I think uh, I've just enjoyed a Sunday podcast. And so, so the plan is to hopefully, as Aaron mentioned, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but maybe we can try to keep keep these coming after every game, or at least previewing the next game. Because if we'd have waited till Tuesday, we'd have had two games to cover. So, yeah, it doesn't feel right. Unmanageable. All right. So, uh, so hopefully we'll we'll continue doing these as long as the the team is playing. Yeah. Well said. A host and moderator, Tom Reed. Mm. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading our stuff. There's lots of lots of coverage, both from national writers, uh, Joe Smith on Tampa Bay, uh, Allison, Tom, myself on the Blue Jackets. It's all there, athletic.com. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening, watching, reading, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you tonight after the game. And have a good one. Enjoy the game, folks.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.